Hey, welcome to another episode, or I should say mini episode, of Ice Ice Beta, and I'm your host, Aaron Gary. This week we're doing something a little bit different, what we're dubbing the Meet the Maker series. Each day we'll be releasing a mini episode with an entrepreneur who is making specialty gear for ice climbers. If you've ever wanted to hear the story behind some of your favorite, and soon-to-be favorite, products, that's what we get into. We're doing this because we believe that thoughtfully designed gear is more than the sum of its parts. They are crafted by folks who have decades of experience in the sport, are refined through countless iterations and testing, and brought to life with genuine passion. I personally really enjoy hearing what inspired someone to start something and what led to certain design decisions. And hopefully you find that interesting too. On today's mini-episode, we talk with Ben Carlson and Nick Hernandez of Furnace Industries. Stick around to the end for a discount code. Be on your stuff or don't show up. (laughs) We are on our stuff. We are here to Clive and talk about Furnace Industries. So Nick and Ben, thanks so much for uh, for chatting today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, pleasure. So we're going to kick it off right away, classic New York style. What is the elevator pitch for Furnace Industries? I get this question a lot, you know, especially in the early days at all the like Ice Fest booths. They would look at the tool and be like, what is that? You know, what is the point of this? And so, you know, whether they accepted the idea afterwards or not, it went like this. We make gym safe indoor ice and mixed climbing training tools so you can train for ice all year long. You don't damage the wall. You don't damage the holds. You don't damage the pads. You won't damage your friends. Gym owners love you. You can train for ice all year long. That's, that was like the elevator pitch. But really what it came down to was like, how do you do this practically in a commercial gym? Let's say you don't have your own home you know, wall in a garage or whatever, and you want to walk into your gym and say, hey, I want to train sports specifically for ice climb. How could you possibly do that? You couldn't just bring your tools in, although people have like these specialty events and that's fun, but how could you do it all the time. So I didn't come up with this idea, just so you know, this was not my idea. What happened was I was in, um, I was at my friend's wedding in the UK, actually. It was in Ilkley near Leeds. And uh, my friend's cousin, who was an ice climber, a friend of ours, and had come over here to ice climb a couple of times in the Catskills and in the Adirondacks, he handed me these two really rudimentary versions of our dry ice, what, we, what became our dry ice tool. It was literally like a cutout of a uh, half inch plywood in the shape of a grip, I'll call it. It wasn't anything specific. It was just this amorphous sort of thing. And bolted to the top of it was a, the fan belt of a BMW X5. And the only reason that it was that particular fan belt is because my friend only had to buy one to cut it in half and have two straps. So, you know, ice climbers are cheap. The story is old as time, right? So here I am, I was actually part of the wedding party. So here I was with like my tux on, standing on the street corner of this like, um, this Yorkshire village and, you know, doing pull-ups on this lamppost. And he's like, do you think these would sell in America? And I said, not like that, they wouldn't, we'd have to develop these. And so we did, and that's, that was in 2011. We actually started selling them in 2013. But that's kind of where it came from. I didn't, I didn't invent this. Uh, my, my buddy George did, and he has since uh, stepped away from the company. Uh, but he's a woodworker, and he's, he's, uh, he's actually doing really, really well uh, still back in the UK with his family. Why did you feel so strongly about 
you know, continuing to, well, why did you feel so strongly about taking the product and developing it and then actually continuing with it? Well, there was a point there. I used to work at a gym and, you know, I was, I was pretty strong. Um, but I realized at some point that not only did I not have the drive, but I just didn't care to like establish new routes or like, you know, be climbing 514 anytime soon. And so I realized like here was this activity that I loved, 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 and I wanted to, to kind of give back to it. But I, the, I mean, how does one give back to climbing, you know, in 2011, <laughs> you know, I didn't have the opportunity to start a podcast or, um, you know, whatever. So here was my, I really liked ice climbing. So here was an opportunity for me to sort of give back to the climbing community and start a company where I could sell ice climbing tools at a reasonable price developed by an, a climber and then reinvest that back into the ice climbing community. And so that's kind of always kind of how it's, how I've approached it as, as far as supporting and developing the community. It was like, Hey, I can, I'm not going to you know establish some new route, but I can establish this new thing that will help climbers train to be safer. Cause that's really the idea here is that if you're stronger on the ice climb, probably less likely to fall off. So everybody's happy. Everybody wins. And you get to train for something that you're passionate about all year long safely. And that's like the real kicker there is like, we're trying to do this in such a way that if you, even if you dropped a tool, nobody gets hurt. That's not the same, you know, if you drop a real tool in the gym, forget it, you know, there'd be problems. But that the passion really comes from wanting to share something that gave so much to me and just wanted to give back. Can we dive into the sport that's given so much to you? Because from what I read, you've climbed in the Alaskan range, the Canadian Rockies, the Indian Himalayas, the Alps, Pacific Northwest, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. Well, can you just talk a little bit about like your history in ice climbing and um, what it means to you? Well, I mean, it means I spent a lot on airfare. <laughs> <laughs> is what it means. Um, and I kind of, you know, I thought about that. I thought it's like you asked this and I, I, it, like I have a couple of gut reactions. One of them is a very cynical, like East Coast quasi bitterness, which is it doesn't mean anything. You know, I mean, this is just some stupid thing that we do. But at the end of the day, I'm spending a significant amount of time every week doing this. So it's got to have some sort of deeper meaning. So, you know, I have to sort of dig deep and maybe I'm, maybe I'm just not that um, cerebral a person, but the one thing that people always say, well, why do you do this? And I said, because it's just, it's so cool to climb up something that's only there temporarily it's there for a very short period of time maybe three four months during the year at least around here and if you went back there in the summer that thing that you climbed that space that you're in doesn't exist you can't you can't even get there you know you can't you i suppose you could repel in but whatever you know you get the idea is that you can't ascend that space without that medium being in there and i actually think that's kind of cool and you know you can get all philosophical about it and be like oh it's very fleeting and that's a metaphor for life and we're only here for a short period of time so you really you really have to make the most of it. And so, you know, after doing this for a while, I came to the conclusion. It's like, what is, what is the metaphor that I'm seeking through this activity? And it's that you're only here for a short period of time. So what's the point of all this? The point of it is to have as much fun as you can to uh, enjoy it and to spread as much love and be happy, specifically in this instance with your climbing partners, uh, for, with as many people as you can. Because, you know, eventually... You're not going to be there anymore, just like that ice climb. And so I love ice climbing. 
And, you know, I've been extremely blessed to be able to go to these amazing places and climb with people who share my passion for it. You know, like, you know, our tribe of people like, you know, and now we have a podcast here. We are talking about it. This wasn't around when I started. And um, I really think it's just a gift from the universe that, you know, I get to share this ridiculous activity with people, other people who, who are who are passionate about it. You know, it's tough, though. It's tough. I look at like world events and I go, really, are we making a difference here? I mean, look at all the horrible things that are going on. It's pounded down your throat every single day. And it's kind of hard when I'm here. When I say here, I mean like in the New York area to not be constantly smashed in the face with like these social injustice issues. And I kind of I'm trying to figure out how ice climbing fits into that. And the answer is it doesn't. It's a total luxury thing. You know what I mean? And in that regard, you know, you just have to kind of go with what your gut says is like, I am psyched on this. So I'm trying to find people who are also psyched about it. And here I made this cool tool. Let's share it. Let's go climbing. Let's enjoy the life that we can live and be grateful for it. I hope that, I hope that answered your question. I'm sure that was just like a spouting rando. <laughs> well, it, it started with a complete dismissal and then it ended up becoming a very thoughtful philosophical discussion around uh, meaning. <laughs> so because like, the, you know, when people say something like, it's like, what does it mean to you? To me, it's such a, yeah. you know, I work in the, I work in, in TV and for a long time I was doing talk shows. I was, I was the lighting director on Anderson Cooper. And so he would interview these people and be like, what does it mean to you that you have the smallest dog in the world? It was like always like these stupid pieces and he would have to ask these questions. It was to me, I would just like laugh in the control and going, who cares? But these people were living these deeply meaningful lives to them. And they would lay out their reasoning for them, even though I didn't necessarily relate to it sometimes. Anyway, whatever. That's that's climbing for you. It takes all different kinds, all different kinds of people to make climbing. No, but you're right. It's like the meaning, the meaningfulness of it all is like, I kind of scoff at the question, but really I wouldn't be doing this unless it meant something. So I should probably come up with a reason. <laughs> I wouldn't spend this much time, effort, money, you know, away from my wife, my five-year-old kid. Uh, driving to Colorado to attend an ice fest, you know, it's like, if you tell the average person this, they're like, what is wrong with you? And like, why would you do that? It's like, because it's fun. It's awesome. These are my peeps. They, they, these are the people who understand me. And I think so much of life is around feeling understood. And well, I don't want to quote like, you're going to pontificate. Nick, <laughs> I see why. <laughs> <laughs> I see you moving away from the camera, Nick, but we want to get you involved too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I have a tendency of doing that. Um, ben, you were just talking about wanting to um, connect with other people as part of sort of what drives you in this business. And obviously you and um, Nick connected. So I guess I'm just curious, Nick, how did you get involved with uh, with all this? Nick was a customer. <laughs> that, Nick's, Nick, not only am I the owner, but I'm also a client. That's how Nick got involved. <laughs> he hit the nail on the head. Uh, I first met Ben in 2016 at the Mount Washington Valley Ice Festival. I was there on my quote-unquote Time to Climb America tour. I was traveling around the country, visiting all these different climbing areas, writing about climbing the culture, the destination, the people that reside around there, and Mount Washington Valley Ice Fest being one of the longest running ice festivals in the U.S. and also one of the closest to me, considering I live in New Jersey, I went up there. And obviously, every ice fest has a little vendor village. And I went to every booth, was talking with different folks. And 
I had saw the dry ice tools online. Uh, I actually saw them in person at an REI many, many, many years ago. Um, and it's not that many. Well, <laughs> I got to meet Ben, the owner that was there in person. So naturally I picked his brain, started up a conversation, bought a pair of tools from him and stayed in touch. Fast forward uh, two years later, um, I was running a Real Rock screening in New Jersey, and I sent him an email saying, hey, do you want to sponsor the screening that I'm doing in New Jersey? He said, hell yeah, let's do it. He came down, set up a table. We chatted some more. We had a mini after party at the bar around the corner and continued talking, said, uh, looks like you could do some help with your social media. And Bada bing, bada boom. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I gave him the first month free, the rest is history. And it's been very helpful for the growth of the company. But at the time, I was like, sure, you do this. I don't want to deal with this. And before long, Nick was like, I want in. <laughs> <laughs> I want in now. I just wouldn't go away. And he realized that I wasn't going anywhere, and the rest is history. Let's get down to nuts and bolts. So what, uh, what kind of products do you have in your product line? The products that we have are it started with the dry ice tool. Uh, I believe the community calls them loopers these days, which I think is funny, but makes sense. And we did that for a number of years. Uh, and we made, you know, prototype ideas. We drew them up. We kind of made some rough versions of other gym safe ice climbing and mixed climbing and dry tooling training aids. And it was clear to both of us that if we were going to make a gym safe version of a tool with a pick on it, it would have to have a metal core. So we made a rough version of what became the dry ice evolution. And, um, you know, that design was made, I think it was in 2014, one of the, the original drawings of that. It was a long time ago. And it developed into something I think is really special. I think it's, I think it's a tool that a lot of people have said a lot of good things about it. And that, you know, that makes me feel good. But it's the kind of tool that I want to use. You know what I mean? It's it's like I don't want to make something that is garbage. You know, I don't want to make something that's useless just for the sake of people, just for the sake of selling junk. I want it to be this useful, purposeful thing that is worth the price you pay for it. And I can tell you right now, there's a lot, there's a lot of experience that goes into making that tool, not only from the business end of thing and the manufacturing and engineering kind of thing, but just from climbing. Like, how does it feel on the tool? How does your hand feel on the grip? Where's your head when you when you engage that hold with the the, the evolution? How, does that feel similar to a pick that, that outside? That is experience, and that, that is baked into that tool. So that's actually really important. Then when Nick joined, we sort of ventured off a little bit into, uh, or a lot of it, I should say, into dry ice, into um, dry tooling holds. So now we have a lot of holds uh, in the in the um, product line, some of which are are developed by us, and we also carry holds from pretty you know pretty much we can get holds almost from just about anyone really and sell them here um, because they're not easy to get. You're not going to order one set of holds from the Czech Republic. You know what I mean? That's why those things don't exist here. So we'll order a pallet of these things and then have them in stock and sell them you know nice and slow, like we just like it's like a slow drip. And so we just have the motivation to make that happen. And really all of that capital is coming from dry ice tools, like the original product. It's coming from that idea and also the evolution like that. Those things are fueling the, our ability to purchase those products. 
Then what happens is we get a whole pile of cash up. We say, hey, what kind of ice festivals are coming up? Boom, let's do that one. Boom, let's sponsor this one. We'll sponsor that event. Let's send these guys you know, some products. Let's do a raffle item here. And it's all because of the community that supports us that we get to support them. So the question is, what products do we have in our in our line, you know, we have products that help us support the climate community is really the, is the, the real deep philosophical answer to that question. I never know which way you're going to go and, and where we'll end up, but you have a nice circularity to your responses. <laughs> uh, I try to, I try to tie it back together. Um, maybe we can go a little bit deeper into the community aspect of it. Cause I know that you're uh, supporting more people and in, in doing dry tooling nights at their local gyms. Um, there's a lot of education, but rather than me talk, maybe you guys want to talk a little bit more about, about that aspect. This is actually more Nick's, Nick's world, I think, because like I, you know, we have a core mission and what's part of that core mission is supporting and building a dry tooling community, dry tooling, ice climbing community. But my intent years ago was never to like pump more ice climbers out into the backcountry. You know what I mean? Um, and I never thought to myself, oh, I want to give all these people who are somewhat disadvantaged an opportunity to try something new. I never thought that. I thought if you're into ice climbing, you're going to want this. That's all. That's it. That, there wasn't anything more to that. Nick came along and saw it from a different angle. And, you know, I appreciate that Nick has different perspectives on that. And so that's why I think this is actually working pretty well now is because it's not just me. You have to have more than one perspective in a company for it to work. To caveat of what Ben was saying, one of the biggest things, and from my own my own unique experience, was the accessibility. Living in New Jersey, ice climbing is not exactly something that is at the forefront of most people's thought or purview, even in regular climbing circles. The nearest ice climbing spot was the Catskills, and that's two and a half hours away. It's not something you find at the power lines or the gunks or Birdsboro. Um, although Birthboro has dry tooling now, which is phenomenal. And that's a lot to do with the community seeing the value and the desire to do it. But it was something for me to try for a hundred some odd bucks inside of my regular climbing gym without having to go shell out $500 to get up to the Catskills, hire a guide, let alone all the gear that's required and everything needed to stay warm so I don't freeze my keister off standing at the base of, of an ice flow. Um, at the end of the day, Baron brought up a good point. It's a luxury activity. Anyone that goes ice climbing is walking with several thousand dollars strapped to their feet in their hands. But you can borrow stuff. You can borrow stuff, but you need to know someone that has that stuff. Or you have to go rent it, which again, requires a considerable amount of money for a one-time activity. So we realized, or at least I realized from my own perspective, there's a whole lot of people that would actually be interested in it if they had some level of exposure to it, which creates the feeder program for the wider audience or the wider sport of ice climbing or specifically dry tooling as it's quickly growing because more and more people are being exposed to it even existing. The cool part is you look at a number of people that are competition ice climbers, there's a number of them that started using a pair of dry ice tools as kids when they first started. It helped with the introduction to a whole new world of activity that otherwise may have not been readily accessible to them. So it's cool to think that we have some small part in that trajectory of these world-class climbers now coming onto the, the arena and competing, representing their countries or their community in on a 
national level. Um, you look at the sport of climbing. Climbing didn't boom because suddenly a bunch of people were interested. It it boomed because there was an infrastructure that slowly grew and became in place. All these climbing gyms that then created these kids teams that had coaching and this growth program that now you have climbing the Olympics and folks that I saw climbing at the age 11 and 12 doing V10 that are now on ESPN representing their nation. Um, and that's all started to the, the birth of a feeder program and an infrastructure in place that gave them the ability to grow and nurture them. We're at that forefront now with ice climbing competition, dry tooling, where we are now starting to see companies such as ourselves and others creating training capabilities, creating training infrastructure, working to advocate in their communities to allow this infrastructure to be put in place to create those feeder programs and that development program. And it's going to bear the fruit three, five years, 10 years down the road from now, like we saw in general climbing. Um, so that's kind of what makes me excited about what we're doing in a small part and what it means to give back to the community, supporting the U.S. ice climbing team. This is going to be our 11th year sponsoring the URA Ice Festival, as an example. Consecutively, even during the pandemic, we were still sponsoring the Ice Fest throughout the entirety of it. But we wouldn't have been able to do that unless people bought our stuff. See what I'm saying? It's like it goes back and forth. As Ben said, we, we are very much a big advocate for supporting what we stand for. Um, we stand for the ice climbing community. And that means by what we produce as a company, we make it a principal part of our organization to reinvest back into the community and support it. Because that's what it means to be a true partner as a company and within an industry is to actively work with and alongside these entities, because if people don't sponsor and don't support these ice festivals, they go away. If people don't step up and volunteer to support their local climbing crags, they fall apart. You have infractions, accessibility goes away. So it's not just us. It's everyone that loves this community, loves the sport, needs to take a step up and step in and support. And we're trying to lead that by example. Your core customer, do you think it's more like beginners trying it out in the gym or is it more like experienced people looking for a training tool? I think that our tools, while squarely aimed at the ice climbing, mixed climbing, dry tooling demo, is actually beneficial to all climbers. Because even if you talk to some of the higher end competition climbers, they say they got to be better climbers when they stopped ice climbing and went bouldering for a while and then brought those skills back to ice climbing. Like uh, Liam, for example, Liam Foster, he was crushing uh, um, ice climbing, dry tooling. Then he went rock climbing. Now he's taking all those rock climbing skills and coming them back to dry tooling, crushing even harder. So it's, it, it go both ways. And I think that that's where the true value in the tools lie. But it's really hard to tell that to somebody who's not into ice climbing because they only think it's cold and painful. Nick has a different perspective. <laughs> I think there's twofold. As Ben said, regular experienced ice climbers immediately see the value. At the same time, working directly in and out of climbing gyms, running demo nights and introduction nights, there is probably about 15 people who have never climbed ice at my local gym that climb on these on a regular basis and are super excited to try ice climbing outside this coming season. Because it's fun. 
Well, it's a blast. And this is, this has given them the taste, the introduction, the sampling, as you would say. Um, and I'm going to be climbing with some of these folks and setting up a top rope day of us just hanging out as friends, climbing ice and getting to see how strong they are and how confident they are on top rope, obviously. But it's the first step. No one walks out the door and crushes ice on their first day. We all started from somewhere. So the nice part about it is everyone putting their egos aside, putting their personas aside, and just having fun. Because at the end of the day, none of us are doing this for a living. None of us are, are sitting on top of podiums, except for a very select few. The regular everyday Joe Schmo climber is going out to have a good fun day out with friends. And that's what it means to revert back and remember why we're doing this. We're doing this to have fun, help people have fun, do it safely, be more confident and more prepared to do it and have a mindset and a mentality of what to expect before they go out so that they can be better prepared to enjoy the activity. And at the end of the day, have a much more enjoyable day doing that which they love with those that they love. Furnace Industries doesn't really do sales, but Ben and Nick are graciously offering a one-time discount of 10% off at FurnaceIndustries.com. That is Furnace-Industries.com. The code is ICEICEBETA, all one word, and it expires just before the stroke of midnight on December 21st.